I am not an innocent, not bystander. An innocent bystander. I am a threat, am a threat, to, my threat enemy. to my enemy. I am powerful I am and cunning. Powerful. I am strategic, I am strategic and, bold. and bold. I will not sit idly by. I will take ground. I will advance. I will tear through my enemy. And my enemy will hate me. I will not avoid the difficult fight. I will fight. I will be wounded. I will be targeted and I will bleed. I will not tire. My wounds will be healed. I will see tragedy. I will feel pain. But I will be restored. My feet will not stumble. My hands will hold fast. I will not be intimidated. Chapter 6, and the title is Sanctification. You guys did good, that commercial. Does anybody besides me remember that commercial? Are you serious? The ketchup commercial? And his... Okay, but anyway, that's right. Let's, uh, let's just uh, skip that and keep cruising. That's right. How about we stand up and take a breath or something? Do you say, hey, are we awake tonight? Let's, all right, let's just even skip that, shall we? Are you holy? Well, thanks for asking, Ruth. That is where we left off and started to talk about yesterday or last week, and uh, that is the question, sanctification, okay? Because what we saw is it's one of those Christianese words, right? Sanctification, justification, you know, the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's great stuff, and it's good Bible, good terminology. Okay, but uh, what are you talking about? Well, what we're talking about is, if you will, maturity in Christ, and we began to break that down. That can be a Christianese phrase. What do you mean mature? You just get older. I've been saved for 9,000 years. Doesn't mean you're a mature Christian. Time frame, how it is, it's your life. And the whole goal of if you're really a mature Christian is every day are you being more holy like God in your everyday experience. That's the test of maturity, not the test of time. Okay, well, what is sanctification? That's what we talked about. And there's three different ones that we saw last week, if you were here, just to uh, recap with that. And what we saw the first one, of course, is the positional one. And we're going to get into that again tonight, Lord willing. And that's the one that Christ has done for us. That's our position. Whether we see it right now or not, that's how God views us. Praise God. And that certainly helps with eternal security, okay? Uh, and then there's practical uh, uh, sanctification. The word he uses is progressive, whatever you want. That's basically your everyday uh, experience. And that's probably what we're going to finish with our study tonight, focusing on that aspect. And then the neat one, he says, there's actually another one. And that is our future sanctification okay is what's going on there and that's basically all the things that christ has won for us that he considers this holy now he's made us holy through his sacrifice his work on the cross it comes to fruition we experience it now forever and ever and ever in heaven and that's all we will ever know and that's our future sanctification okay but we left off on the top of page 64 positional sanctification let's read that verse again and pick up where we left off paul starts his first letter to the corinthians this way paul 
to the church of God, which is at Corinth, uh, to those who have been sanctified in Christ. Now, what's he talking about? Sanctified. That's a good word, sanctified. Now, again, if you want to sound evangelistic and grab people's attention, that's right, Orson. Put uh on the end of those key words. Sanctified uh. In the Bible uh. It says uh. Right, Ruth uh? Right? Okay, but anyway, that's right. Now I got your attention a little bit better. You're waking up. Sanctified in Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about this, okay? He's talking about our lives, our maturity, our life. Are we looking more like Jesus every day? And what's the standard? Holiness. Be ye holy because I am holy is what God's talked about. Sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling with all who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord, hello, and ours. The English word saints, holy, holiness, and sanctify all translate a common Greek root word having the idea, this is where we left off last time, purity, right? Because he's talking about positional truth, okay? And then, of course, we're gonna see that he wants you to now live that which you are practically in sanctification, Purity, i.e. a separation from sin. Why? Well, what's holiness? Separation from sin, right? So he's just wanting us to live up to that which he's made us positionally. Okay, and uh, that's what we talked about last time. You guys, how many of you guys went home and you squirted the mustard and the chocolate syrup and grape jelly and that chunky blue cheese in your water and said, ooh, honey, I gotta drink some of this stuff. This is awesome, right? Well, that's what we left off last time is uh, that's what we're doing. When we don't take this sanctification, this maturity issue, you can say, hey, I've been a vessel for Jesus Christ for 500 years. But if inside your vessel is a bunch of this impurity, you're not impressing God, I'll tell you what. And you're certainly not being a good advertisement for Jesus. Okay, it's where we left off last time. Now let's continue on. In Paul's introductory words, he points out that the Corinthian believers, as well as all who call upon the name of Christ for salvation, have been what? Sanctified. Ugh. Okay, the Greek perfect tense is used here. This is really cool, which indicates a, listen, a completed action with continuing results. This is cool. And uh, this is some of the benefits of knowing the Greek and the verb tensing and all that stuff because you, you got all kinds of things that are going on. But when you got this tense that's going on here, you basically have a completed action. Okay, if you will, draw a dot. And then it's, it's got continuing results. Just, it's just the way it is. It's not gonna change. It's going phew into infinity. And so when Jesus, at a point in time, we got saved through his work on the cross, we got sanctified positionally, made holy, literally a saint in God's eyes, not because of us, in spite of us, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that continues on forever and ever and ever, 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 ever. Now, just that one Greek verb tensing, you know what that tells you? Our salvation is secure. Uh, let me add this word. It's eternally secure. Why? Because the Greek literature says it was a one-time act, yes, but you can't change it. It's in infinity heading forward forever and ever and ever. And that's what he's talking about, okay? And that's what he's talking about. Uh, Dr. N states, this is the believer's position or standing before God based on the death of Christ. Notice it's his work, not ours. In positional sanctification, the believer is accounted holy before God. Turn to somebody and say, you are a holy Right? Now, Ruth, if you want to be evangelistic, how do you say that? Holia. So let's try that. As you still are trying to wake up tonight, you are holia. Byron, you almost moved that time. I'm going, oh, there you go. Now you're moving. That's right. You are holy, okay, is what he's talking about. In positional sanctification, the believer is kind of holy before God, and he's declared. Listen, this is our identity as a saint. That's your blank there. Isn't that wild? 
We've talked about this many times. It's mind-blowing. This positional sanctification is achieved through the what? Repeated act? Hopefully it's going to work. No, the once and for all death of Christ, Hebrews chapter 10. So we are all positionally made holy on the basis of Christ's death on the cross at the point of belief. That's what he's saying. Right here it happened, and praise God, it never stops. It can't stop. You're not going to reverse it? Why would you reverse it? That's a straw man argument, isn't it? You know, people say, well, you know, okay, yeah, fine, Greek out on me, uh, Pastor Billy, but, uh, and you say it's going to last forever. Well, what if a person was going on this little line here, and they wanted to jump off, if you will? What? Really? Okay. How, how many guys here tonight are saved, born again, glad you're going to heaven? Right? Rest of you, we know who to pray for now. That's my secret technique. I let the can out of the bag. Did it, Ron. That worked awesome. Okay. okay. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Now, how many tonight, born again, saved God, praise God, uh, going to heaven, want to give it up right now and go burn straight in hell? Woo! See, it's called a straw man argument. So people say, oh, but what if? But what if? No true born-again Christian with the Spirit of God desires that. Do you des- No, it's, co- it's common sense, okay, is what they say. But anyway, so let's continue on. We're made holy on the basis of Christ's death on the cross at the point of belief. In other words, listen, even little Johnny, who is only seven years old, a born-again Christian, is what? All right, now turn to somebody and say, what is your name? Gosh, words, they're a neat concept. You guys should try them once in a while. I read an article one time. (laughs) Just skip it. I'm assuming you know the person's name. Let's skip that little thing. Just turn to that person and say, you're a saint, and put their name there. Let's just forget this audience participation and go back to teaching. Wow, let's get some coffee for next week. That's what he's saying, St. Ruth. St. Uh, Jim, St. Joyce, St. Ron, St. Mary. I mean, it's, 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 that's who we are in Christ. Whether we live like it completely, of course we can't. Uh, uh, it's not the Spirit's fault. It's us not being obedient to him, okay? Because we're going to see God's given us everything we need to be that which he's made us to be forever here, this side of heaven. But that's who we are. That's the only way ever. Did you know, this is mind-blowing. Did you know that God loves you, the Christian, just as much now as he did the very first day he saved you. Even after all the baloney we've been through. Isn't that awesome? Why? Because positionally we're a saint. That's who we always will be. From the point we got saved, forever saint so-and-so. So when you go to work tomorrow, you change your nameplate, you change the way you introduce yourself. Hi, guys, in case you don't know. Talking to St. Mary. That's right. Wouldn't that be cool if we would only address ourselves like that? Yeah, let's just keep going. All right, so, uh, and that means you are a saint too if you have faith in Jesus Christ if you're a born-again Christian. Now, that's positional, okay? Let's get back to this one. This is the main guy. This is where the rubber meets the road. Now, listen, this is where people get this all messed up, okay? When it comes to, especially those who say you can lose your salvation. Because what they do is they'll take a look at a uh, practical truth and then they'll somehow try to apply it to a positional truth, right? To get it to deny, and they don't understand, okay? They'll say, well, you know, well, you gotta be holy, but if you're not holy like God is, you're gonna lose your salvation? No, because positionally it's already done. It's safe and secure in Christ. 
And you have to understand when the scripture's talking about be ye holy, he's not, there's not like a contingency, otherwise you're not going to heaven as if it's works-based. That's a contradiction of scripture. Or I am God and you okay, maybe somewhere along the line he's gonna kick you out of this thing. You have to understand the context. When he's talking about that, he's talking about a practical sanctification that does not affect your eternal salvation. And it doesn't deny the positional truths of who he has made us, you understand? And when people don't understand that the Bible actually talks about three forms of sanctification, they get them all mixed up. And it, well, that's what the Bible says. And if you don't know as a Christian, they could really throw you for a loop. You have to read the context. Which one is he talking about? We talked about that before. This is sanctification. Which one, which three is he talking about in the context here? Okay, uh, we talked about before. You, could, you have the same word, uh, cool, spelled three different ways. Okay, it's, it, it's it, the exact same way. But I could say, hey, that shirt is looking cool. Or, hey, your attitude towards me is cool. Or, that wind's blowing tonight. It's kind of cool out there. It, exact same words spelled the same way. Three totally different meanings based on what? The context it's used in. And it's the same thing when you read the scripture and you're talking about maturity, you're talking about sanctification. Which one is God dealing with? Positional, practical, or our future? And I'm telling you, you get those messed up and you're going to get messed up in your theology. Let's talk about the practical the experiential okay but if we are fully sanctified or made holy and again he's talking positionally right then why would peter call on us to be holy yourselves in all your behavior right well this is because even though at the point of salvation we receive a holy standing before the father that's positional that's eternal okay secure in christ in our experience we still have the sin nature okay that's your next two blanks there. Sin nature, which with to deal with. Okay, how you guys like those cards? That's not a good deck to have, okay? That's what we got to deal with. And that's what we saw before. And by review of this, okay, this is how mankind was originally created, Adam and Eve, okay? God made everything. Everything was good, okay? Very good, actually, the scripture says. And uh, so mankind, we are unlike the animals and the plants. Trees have, if you will, not a body like ours, but they got a form, okay? And uh, animals have a soul and body. They got a mind, a will, and emotions, okay? But they don't have a spirit. So I know it's on a cartoon, but unfortunately all dogs don't go to heaven. Uh, but then there's a whole theological debate. Could God have her? Uh, and I don't have time to deal with that tonight. Animals in heaven, hey, he can do whatever he wants to do. And we, you need to realize that we're not saved just to forever exist in spiritual bodies uh, in heaven. The Bible says that after the millennium, God's creating a new heaven, a new earth, and we're coming back down to earth. It would, to it forever and ever in the new heavens new earth and just like there's animals now and there's been animals from the get-go wouldn't surprise me if he has animals then if he wants to do whatever but but they don't get saved is the whole point okay and this is why when you mow your yard as we talked before how many of you guys are glad when you're out well, forget mowing we don't have mowing out here okay well, this is why when you're tripping uh, your palm trees or you're uh, trimming them uh how many of you guys are glad when you sit there and you go mm, you take that first leaf and you go snap it it doesn't go oh Right? They kind of freak you out, but then ladies, you'd run and scream. Guys would go, no way, do it again, Bob. <laughs> so we have two totally different responses. Right? And this is what, because there's just, there's nothing, right? It's whatever. And that's what New Age would say, that all is one pantheism, all is God, the trees, the fleas, the bees, you and me, you know, whatever, the pews and whatever. Now, but dogs or cat animals, they do have a soul. Do you guys ever notice that your dog has emotions? When you come home, what do they do? He's back. <laughs> He's back, man. The man. 
I like my wiener dogs. But anyway, that's right. Uh, they get in trouble. You know, they, you know, they got emotions, right? But they don't have a spirit. Now, why did man have a spirit? Because the Bible says we were created unlike the rest of creation. We were created in God's image. We were created in God's image spiritually and morally. Why spiritually? Why is that important? Because the spirit is eternal. And John 4 says God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, okay? And that we're given a spirit nature unlike the rest of creation, okay, uh, so that we can commune with God. Well, it was all working great until guess what? Sin, right? At that point, the Bible says you became dead in your transgressions and sins, okay? Now, how many guys, uh, before you got saved, you were just a cadaver and people drug you around? Praise God for no... Mike, really? We'll lay hands on you later. I don't have time. We've got a lot to cover. But, uh, but I'm glad you're moving now. Believe you me. Okay, but anyway, so uh, uh, no, we weren't. And so obviously that tells us common sense in that passage. He's talking not physical death, right? Even though we will experience physical death. And that's why physical death came into the world is because of sin later, okay? And that's what Adam experienced. Uh, he was talking about spiritual death, right? And so now that which we had the ability to commune with God is messed up. We're separated from God. Now we got a dilemma, so we, this shut down, this is our communion and input and intimacy and worship experience with God as we were originally created to be, but now we got this sin nature. What's the sin nature? It's that part of us that does not want to do anything God says. Wants to do my way or the highway. You know, the whole self-love, self-esteem, self-arrest, which started with Satan, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, this whole self thing. I want to do my thing, my way. Don't tell me what to do. Me, 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 I, 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 right? And that's what sin is. It's an I problem right in the middle of it. Okay, and that's at the core. So now, if you will, we used to have communion with God, talk to him, him with us, experience that, enjoy that. That's all been cut off. So the only input you will have now as, as a Christian is you got input from the world, from your own sin nature, that rebellious streak, and from spiritual warfare. That's why things are messed up today, in case you haven't wondered. You, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so, but here's what happens after you get born again. Okay, now you've been made, here comes my exciting artwork, Spiritually alive, right? You've been born again. It means born from above. Onathan means born from above or born from a higher place. When you become born again at this point, the spirit of God comes and dwells within us. He seals us for the day of redemption. He sanctifies us and now he's inside of us. <gasps> that connection's open again. But Paul says now you just entered the war. Do, 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 do. Thank you. I needed that help on that sound effect. Okay, uh, and this is a battle he talks about. He says, this is why now after you got saved, guess what bothers you? Sin. And all of a sudden you got this strange desire to read the Bible, pray, witness, go to church services, hang out with godly Christians and be encouraged. He says, but that's the war. You still got this guy. You don't lose this guy until we either die and go to be with Jesus Christ, absent from the bodies, be present with him, 2 Corinthians 5 eight, or we experience the rapture. Wouldn't that be cool if it happened tonight? Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. And it, do you guys hear that? No, nah, I'm just kidding. Okay, but anyway, so <laughs> the trumpet. Okay, that's Pastor Jim. Stop goofing off. That wasn't funny. That scared me. No. <laughs> so, anyway, so, uh, and this is why Paul says you got a war that's going on. Now you have two inputs. You're stuck in the middle and you got, if you will, honestly, cartoons that depict this, kind of a good way to look at it, if you will. You know, that you got the cartoon with Bugs Bunny and all of a sudden, poof, here comes the red guy. Don't do that. Don't be nice. Hit him over the head with a pan or whatever he's trying to do. And then the angel comes up. Oh, do do that. That would not be loving. Whatever. And unfortunately, the 
and that's true too, then the other little devil guy beats up on the angel guy, kicks him off, and he does the wrong thing, and that's what happens to us, okay? But if you don't want that to happen, you need to feed the Spirit. You need to learn to walk and live and keep in step with the Spirit, and that's why it's important as a Christian, not just because the pastor said so, or you just got to do it. You need to feed your spirit, man, okay, with Bible, with prayer, with witness, and fellowship. Why? Because those are spiritual things that feed your spirit, that keep your mind on the Spirit and the things of God. Okay, so that the by and large of the bulk of your input every single day, your walk, okay, is in the spirit realm, not down here. Okay, the more that you feed the white dog, the more that you starve the black dog, you win. Okay, and that's what he's talking about here. He says, okay, uh, this is why, even though at the point of salvation, we receive a holy standing before the Father, in our experience, we still got that sin nature. We're in this war. Okay, now that's the context that he's talking about, this positional uh, salvation be ye holy this is this is your challenge every day you get out of bed romans chapter 6 what are you going to be christian yes positionally we're holy praise god that's secure but you what are you going to be paul says in romans 6 are you going to be make your choice an instrument of wickedness or an instrument of righteousness and it's when we make that choice to say no i am going to be cognizant first of all this ain't going to come easy i'm in a battle I'm in a war, and I'm going to fight towards be ye holy, not give in to everything that's trying to drag me down and be unholy. He said, that's what we're talking about, be ye holy. So God's saying, do this part, will you? When you get out of bed, make a conscious decision, uh -uh, this. If you blow it, just get back up, do what he says, confess your sins, he's faithful and just to uh, forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Then get back up and keep moving forward, okay? But that's what he's talking about there. Although a believer's positional sanctification is secure, his experiential sanctification may fluctuate because it relates to his daily life and experience. Somebody does not want you to be holy. Why? Because this short little time frame, as we saw, that we have here as Christians, God wants us to be holy because when you are holy, you are like him. And when you are like him as a Christian, you're a wonderful advertisement for him. That's what the enemy doesn't want you to do. That's why he's working. He can't, praise God, he can't take away our salvation. That's plan A, that he tries to keep from getting saved. But if you got saved, he moves to plan B. And plan B is anything and everything but this. Because you'll become strong, you'll become a warrior, you'll become a soldier for Jesus Christ, you'll become a threat to him, you'll be taken over major mega territory, so to speak. And guess what? You're gonna be an awesome commercial for Jesus. Souls get saved, people are drawn to him like a moth to a flame. He doesn't want that. That's the thing he can mess with us with. We don't have to be afraid. don't have to walk around in fear. But we need to understand what in the world we're up against uh, when it comes to this experiential sanctification. He says, uh, we discussed the fact that as Christians, we'd be given all that we need to consistently live an obedient life. Second Peter 1. At this point, it might be good to go back uh, and review that. But please don't do that right now, Byron, because we really need to get moving on this. Uh, maybe later, all right? And uh, he says, God's provision for us consists in delivering us from the reign of sin, uniting us with Christ, and giving us the indwelling Holy Spirit to create a desire for holiness. And we talked about this before, and it's kind of a secondary issue, but I just think it's really unfortunate. And I, I just think that some, when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is God, it's like sometimes we, the church, forget that he's the Holy Spirit. And you know what, his primary, he's here to, as, as Paul says, as the Bible says, as our deposit, our guarantee, sealing us for the day of redemption. He's God's engagement ring, our bone, okay? 
that he's not going to renege on his promise, we're going to heaven. But that's not the only thing. Okay? He also says that he's there to produce in us holiness. I think sometimes that people just, they, they turn the Holy Spirit into the exciting spirit, if you will, or the entertainment spirit, or the giggle spirit, or the uncontrollable laughter spirit, with all due respect. And, and you know, I, I know those are secondary issues, and I'm not here to necessarily slam that per se, but I'm just, it's, just, it's unfortunate. Because the whole time you're going down that route, and you're seeking an experience, if you will, just goosebumps on top of your goosebumps, instead of growing as a mature Christian, can I tell you something? You're missing the goal. God does not give us his spirit just for our own titillation. He gives us his spirit to help us to be holy as he is holy. Why? Because he wants us to be mature. He's not there for those other purposes uh, by and large. And that doesn't mean that you can't have an experience with God, been there with that, and you've been praying and weeping your eyes out like a baby and very passionate and preaching and things. I have experienced that all the time. I'm not against that. But by and large, that's all just people think that the Holy Spirit does and is and what he's here for. And you're missing the whole point. Let's continue on. He says, uh, it's consistent deliverance from the reign of sin, uniting us with Christ, giving us the indwelling Holy Spirit to create a desire for holiness and to strengthen us and to empower us. That's what we said before. We need to rely on his ability, walk, live, keep in step with the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, that thing. And we have to learn to listen, to heed, to yield, to obey as he promises to do it. We aren't doing it in our own strength. He does it. We just get out of the way. We yield. He does it. It works awesome. We have to learn to walk that new way. And so he doesn't just, and that's why I added that in my notes, it's not just a desire for holiness, praise God. It's not just to strengthen us. It's, he's there to empower us, to pull it off. Because how many guys have learned that we can't live like Jesus? Not even for one day, can we? Myself included. No. But here's good news. I guess that's the way it's always going to be. No, that's not what the Bible says. You just need to learn to walk a new life. You learn to walk in the Spirit, he's going to do it. He gives you the ability. Isn't that awesome? He not only saves us by his Spirit, but he gives us his Spirit to do that which he wants us to do. We just go along for the ride. We get blessing after blessing after blessing. What an amazing inheritance we have. Okay, and that's what he's talking about. Now, overcoming barriers. Now, this is what we're talking about. This is a serious battle we face every single day, isn't it? Well, how, how are we going to get out of that? How, how are we going to be ye holy as, as God is holy? This experiential sanctification. How's that take place? Well, that's what he's talking about. God's given us some equipment, if you will, to help us do that. And again, he could just say, he could save us and say, all right, I'll get you to heaven. I'm gracious. I'm merciful to you. Now, you're on your own. He doesn't do that. He gives us the spirit, and as we're going to see, he gives us more things to do that which he wants us to be. He's given us, as Peter says, that's that text, 2 Peter, everything we need for life and godliness. Okay, let's take a look. We've already discussed the barriers we're going to experience in that process, the sanctification process and dealing with temptation. And we saw that our sources of temptation to sin, to be ye unholy as this world is unholy, because you can flip it around, that's what's going on. Okay. We saw that our sources of temptation to sin are the world, is your next blank there? The flesh, man, whatever you do, don't eat meat products. No, that's not the flesh he's talking about. That's a Christianese code word, okay, that basically is talking about the sin nature. Okay, that's a Christianese code word for a lot of people today. What's that mean? That's that part of you that only wants to do what you want to do. 
and say, nah. you know, like our kids have. Pick up that toy. What do they say? Yes, sir, Captain, sir, I love you, pops. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Dreaming, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've all been born with that. David said, surely I was born in sin. You know, surely from the time my mother conceived me. It's that rebellious nature that does not want to listen to authority, uh, to, to, to God's authority. Uh, we want to do our own thing, okay? And the devil, okay? Demons, I, you, know, de- you know, I don't know if any of us have really been uh, such great Christians, myself included, that we'd actually be targeted by the devil himself. Certainly demons, I'll give you that. But that's kind of our Christianese phrase of putting the battle. We, we say the world, the flesh, and the devil. Top of the page 65. This would be a good time to review that uh, chapter, Byron, but please, again, refrain. Maybe later. We've got to keep moving on. Although we have barriers to experiential sanctification, we've been given three powerful tools to overcome these barriers, which we will now discuss. No more waiting. Uh, let's also be reminded of the fact that experiential sanctification will be very slow, listen, until we choose to make Christ the Lord of our lives. Now that's a wonderful Christianese statement. I've got to say a couple things about that. It's kind of like one of those little pet peeve things. Hey, can I tell you something? Jesus Christ is Lord whether we want to make him Lord or not. Right? So that's kind of a little pet peeve of mine. You don't make him Lord. He's Lord. It's more acknowledging the fact of that who he is. Then I understand a little bit of that Christianese. I believe what he's trying to say because he says, and commit to live out all that he commanded us to do. It's getting to that point. Sometimes I think it happens when you first get saved. Sometimes I think it happens later. I don't, you know, everybody's got different walks and whatever. But you get to that point where Paul says in Galatians 20, for me to live is myself. Because it's all about me. God gets the back burner. I'll give him some leftovers once in a while. And I'll try to show up on Sunday. And I'm going to demonstrate just how spiritual I am. I'm going to make it to Wednesday. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Praise God. He said, for me to live is what? Christ. Do you understand that? Paul, I love, I love uh, Greek. Greek is cool. Let's Greek out. Okay. Paul he said, what does he say when he says that, guys? I break that down. For me to live, that's his whole life. That's everything he thinks about. That's all I can think about doing. That's all that's on my brain. I can't get it off my brain. This is all I dream about. This is what I plan about. This is what I pray about. This is my focus. This is my direction. This is my life is Christ. How about us? Do we eat and breathe? It's all about Jesus. Or do we eat and breathe that he's sort of somewhere in there? But the, by and large, the deciding factor of our decisions, our emotions, our direction, everything we do is me. You get to that point he's talking about, what's going to help you in this maturity process to be holy. You got to get to that point where it's like, for me to live is Christ. I get it now. It's not me. I must decrease. He must increase. It's about Jesus. My, my, my mind, my will, my emotions, this body, this life, my hands, my feet, my eyes, everything, wherever I go, the direction, how I speak, these aren't my lips anymore. These aren't my ears anymore. These aren't my eyes anymore. This isn't my body. I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He's redeemed me. He brought me and bought me out of the slave market of sin from Satan. It's his life. And every day we get up as Jesus. What do you want to do with your life? And it doesn't stop there. Every minute of the day that's going through your brain and you get to that point, I'll guarantee you this is going to come a whole lot better. That's what he's talking about. Have you got to that point? I know he's using make Christ law. He's not. But have you got to that point where for me to live is Christ? Paul makes another statement. This is where I want to Greek out with you. 
This is cool. Talk about uh, uh, cartoons. Scubalon. You know, it's almost like you can, wait, you can see the mystery machine pulling up in the parking lot. No, that's Scooby-Doo, but that's close. Okay, Scubalon, what's he talking about? Paul says, not only for me to live uh, is Christ. He says, and I consider everything else as, some translations try to soften it, say trash or refuge. Some say dung. That's literally what it is. He said, everything else in life, it's not only, I, 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 by the Spirit of God, I've gotten to that point. For me to live as Christ. For me to live as this. And the rest of this stuff, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and all the junk that they throw at me to tempt me, it's a pile of dung, a scubalon. That's what it means. Now this will preach. Because you flip it around, and you think about, man, how we must grieve God's heart, myself included. Because here we have Jesus Christ, God, the Son of God. He's given us all these things and He wants to commune with us. He wants to use us. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness to be like Him, to be that commercial for Him. And He's done all this freely on the cross. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. We're not going to hell. We don't get what we deserve. We're going to heaven. And we says, no. Today, I want to play with my pile of dumb. Ruth, you want to see it? Have you guys seen this? For me to live is dung. That's what he's saying. When we choose, isn't, isn't, that, awesome? isn't that convicting? After all God's done for us, we're out in the backyard playing with dog piles. For me to live is this. Just get a new life. <laughs> Paul says that's what the world is in comparison to the riches in Christ. What are we doing? You make that choice. Uh-uh, it's Jesus now. I'm stepping over the line, so to speak. I'm, I'm, I'm done in the backyard with those dung piles. I got something better going on now. He, that's going to help, okay? But he's also going to give you some other things. We're going to talk about that. Uh, he says, at this point, this is where we use a couple more Christianese phrases. We talked about this before. Consecration or dedication, right? Paul's dedicated for me to live as Christ. And the back half of that, and I consider everything else as a big pile of dung compared to knowing Christ and living for him. I'm dedicated to him. Consecrate, set yourself apart. That's the same, th the root word that we're talking about with sanctification, to set apart. I've been consecrated for Christ. This life is his. He set me apart. I'm dedicated to him. I've gotten to that point. It's all about him. That's what he's talking about. We must be willing to allow the word of God and the spirit of God to conform our attitudes, our actions, our words, and his desire. Now, we got three powerful tools he's given us to assist us in this process. And number one is the word of God. The word of God. The indwelling and interceding Christ. Okay. And the indwelling spirit. All right. Let's take a look at the word of God. The psalmist states, thy word I hid in my heart that I might what? Win that column on jeopardy. Amazed the rest of those Sunday school students of how inept they are on their biblical knowledge. <laughs> now, what's the purpose of learning God's word? So I might not sin. What's that? Oh, that's right. That's the opposite of what we're working towards. Holiness. Why are we even reading the word of God? Are we in there reading the word of God looking for loopholes so we can continue to sin? We're missing the point. Are we reading the word of God and when he convicts us of sin and illuminates sin, we rationalize it away. Turn the page. 
Or we're, or we're doing that game that we talked about before. Preacher's preaching. Preaching something. The word of God convicts you. And all of a sudden you look at your spouse. <laughs> well, do you think maybe <laughs> it was for you too? <laughs> you know, the elbow, the eye. You know, all the games you play. That I might not sin against you. I, this real cool story I came across it. Uh, uh, whether it's true or not, whatever. It says an Arab man in the desert awakened in the middle of the night and was very hungry. And he lit a candle and began to eat the dates beside his bed. He took one, he held it up to the light, and he saw though there was a worm in it. So he threw it outside the tent. He took a second date and he held it up to the light and he saw there's another worm. So he threw it out the tent. And the same thing happened the third time and he's chucking them. And then finally he just, listen, blew out the candle grabbed the dates, stuffed them in his mouth, not wanting to face reality. Isn't that gross? We're a vessel for Jesus. How many times do we read the word of God or we hear it preached at us at a Wednesday night service, a Sunday school class, or a Sunday sermon or wherever, and it convicts us and God illuminates the worms in our lives? No, no. That's not what it's for. He wants to get the worms out. How many guys, if somebody told you, listen, I know you can't see this, but uh, the reason why Pastor Billy stays so skinny is because we took an x-ray and he has 14 tapeworms in his gut. And he's eating for 17 people now. That's why he can eat and just never. If somebody told you, listen, you got a whole big old pile of worms inside you. What would your response be? That's cool with me. <laughs> Get these things out of me. But just even thinking about they're in there. <laughs> Although I might make some cash to get on that show, Monsters Inside Me. But uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I guess it is thinking positive. But you want to get them out, right? Okay. Sin. God wants to get the worms out of us too. And when we read his word, he's given us so this can take place, so we can live up to that which we are, so then we can mature. Turn to somebody and say, hey, get the worms out. Right? You do that when you read the word of God. It's not there for your own titillation or head knowledge. That's not the intent. Or amaze your friends, okay? 2 Timothy 3.16, it is declared all scripture is inspired of God. It's profitable for doctrine or teaching. But that's not it. What's the next one it does? Reproof. How many guys love being reproved? Hope I can beat my record today. 15, let's go. Hey, hey, oh, what's the next one? For correction. Yeah. Man, isn't it awesome being corrected? Yeah, it's convicting, yeah. And of course, for instruction in righteousness. You know, this path we're talking about, okay? That the man of God may be absolutely missing out on life. Tortured. Bored. Well, that's what the enemy says, right? If you follow God, you're missing out on life. I think I better wait till you know, I just get older and I'll just do my own thing. And then maybe I'll think, excuse me? God's way is the best way. Okay, always. And he says that, he says, perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay, it says God's word abides in the believer that he is in the place of spiritual achievement. There is little hope for victory, is your next blank there, victory in daily life on the part of those believers who, being ignorant of the word of God, do not know the nature of their, underline that word, conflict. Do you get it? I really think that the reason why oftentimes we get overcome by temptation is because we forget we're in a conflict. This is a war. It's not going to get easy. It, it, it won't. It, it won't stop until we get to heaven. 
Yeah, that's a lot of tension, but guess what? It's worth it. You're absolutely right. Right? When, when we, a lot of military here, right? You get stationed over war, right? What do you do in the middle of the battle? <laughs> I just, I'm so tired of this. I'm just going to sit down. I'm going AWOL. No, it, it, you don't. I mean, you just, it's part of being in a battle. That's what you deal with. You work together as a team. It's a church you're supposed to be. You encourage one another. You fight with one another. You, you, you heal one another. You love one another. And that's a whole other sermon. And, and, and do all that stuff. And you keep moving forward because you know you're in a battle. And you don't get to rest until it's done. It's not done until we get to heaven. Right? And so you just keep swinging. You just keep fighting. Now, Dr. Couchman at seminary says, man, he says, me personally, I'm going down with the Bible in one hand, swinging with the other. It's just, just the way it goes. Chalk it up. We are in a conflict. This is a war. It's not going to get easy. And I'm telling you, we set ourselves up for failure because of this Americana attitude because we just want the easy life. It ain't happening. Not if you really want to be practically sanctified. Oh yeah, if you want to skip over that and sit on your blessed assurance, okay, because you got your fire insurance, okay, he's got you. You probably won't face a whole lot of resistance. But you realize how many worms you got inside of you? I don't want worms. Okay, let's continue on. He says we got a conflict, we need to remind them, and that's what the word of God tells us, right? How many military terms does God use to describe us as Christians? A lot, okay? And of the, here's the good news, the deliverance he's provided. You don't read the word of God, you'll never discover that. You don't read the word of God, you'll never understand that you're not just in a conflict, but God has shown us the way out. And that he's given us everything that we need. You'll never get that. And so if, even if you realize, yeah, I'm in a war, I'm in a conflict. If you don't keep reading, you'll never get to the good news, you're not alone. And you just need to learn to walk in the appropriate way. It's a military term. Walk, keep, in step with the spirit. As we talked before, that's a military term. It's in cadence. When you got one step up, you're right, the Holy Spirit moves, you move right behind him and you keep moving in cadence like that. That's the way out. You'll never get that if you don't get in the word of God. You have to get in there. There's little hope of victory is what he's talking about. Okay, over against this, there's no estimating the sanctifying power of the word of God. Our Savior prayed, sanctify them, set them apart, if you're talking a, a practical uh, sanctification, mature them, okay? How? Through thy truth. Thy word is truth, okay? As well, the Christian must not only be a hearer of the word, but a what? Doer. Do not become a person whose knowledge of the word is not integrated by his habits of living. Can I tell you who were the greatest people of doing that? The Bible has a name for them. Pharisees. Those guys knew the Bible, so to speak, the Old Testament. Did they live it? No. In fact, the way that they treated God's commands, they took human rules, man-made traditions, and superseded them above the word of God, and Jesus called them on the carpet, you whitewashed sepulchers, you brood of snakes, you vipers. You go out there and you try to push all these uh, uh, human-made traditions, and you make people twice as much a son of hell as you are. How many guys were thinking that when Jesus was saying that to the Pharisees, he wasn't whispering? Or standing there going like, eh, like the artwork depicts. No. He was very intense about it, I believe. We must never disunite doctrine, teaching, what we get from the word of God from what? Practice. What's that? That's your daily life with Jesus Christ. We're going to close. I'm just going to read to you. Obviously, I can't read the whole chapter. I mean, I can, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights of just Psalm 19. This is just one chapter in the Bible. 
granted a large one, but it's one chapter in the Bible dealing with God's word and dealing with all the benefits of when you and I take advantage of this equipment that God has given us to what? To wow our friends, to amaze people? No, to help us in this process of maturity to be practically sanctified and being holy more like God. He says this, blessed are those. Now, now what was the word there? Blessed, not torturous. Are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Listen, they do nothing wrong. How many of you guys would like to stop doing wrong stuff? And at least get a little bit more on the track record of it's kind of, you're doing more right things that you know you need to do. Where does it come from? From God's word. They walk in his ways. You have laid down the precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Why? Then I would not be put to shame. You ever been in an embarrassing moment? A sinful embarrassing moment? Maybe you said something, you ooh, wish I could have taken that one back, but I got to first get my foot on my mouth. Um, you're steadfast in God's word, reading it, obeying it, you will not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. Because remember, it's about him, not us. And that's what the Bible reminds us. The decision-making, the process, the thinking pattern, everything, it's about God. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might, that's our text, sin against you. You want to experience more victory? Hide God's word in your heart. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. People come over to your house. Hey, got to show you something, guys. Try not to brag. <laughs> Check this out. This is rich, isn't it? Huh? Is that our attitude towards the Bible? Or are we the secret agent Christian? You know, it's time to pray at lunch. Your co-workers are around. You're convicted. You know you got to pray for your meal. That's what we Christians do. You got to get it done, but they're staring at you. So what do you do? God bless you in Jesus' name. <laughs> got it done. This is rich, man. You want to brag on something, so to speak? And I mean, obviously, in a godly sense. Is that how we treat God's word? That's, it's, it's great riches. I chew on your precepts. I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Open my eyes that I may see. One, there's wonderful things in here. Isn't it wonderful to read that God has forgiven us of all of our sins? That nothing can separate us from his love in Christ Jesus? Neither death, nor light, nor height, nor death, nor demons, nor sword, nor famine, nor Hey, we can do all things through Christ. Woo! Isn't that wonderful? Guess where that's at? You're not going to find that in the newspaper. You can find it in God's word. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Get in the word. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about your life. Experience the peace of God. It's when you trust and pray and lay your needs at his feet and walk away. Yeah. That's from the Bible. You don't have to pay somebody for that. Did you know that? Yeah, praise God, your counselors. I've chosen the way of truth. I set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Don't let me be put to shame. I, I run in the paths of your, can, uh, my, your commands, and for you have set my heart free. It's not bondage to follow God. 
It sets us free. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your, dec- your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding. I will keep your law. I obey with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for in that I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statues, not towards selfish gain. Turn my ways, uh, eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. What? You mean to tell me that if we want to have more respect, more reverence, more awe of God that comes from reading his word? Yeah, because how do you think you're going to find out about him? It's in the Bible. And maybe that's because that's why we have him such low on the totem pole and he gets the back burner and he gets nothing but leftovers from us instead of tops. Remember, he says, seek God. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with some of your heart based on what your calendar says and what you can fit them in sometime. All your heart, your mind, and your soul, right? You get a whole new perspective, the real perspective, the full perspective, at least that he wants to show us in the Bible, okay? I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom for I've sought about your precepts. I'm gonna speak of your statues before kings and will not be put to shame. I delight in your commands because I love them. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. You're just walking down the street, woo! singing about jesus yeah i got these tapes it was so funny i got to um found in one of my old briefcases some old uh, dv tapes of when rebecca was born her first year okay and you ever do that with your kids the first baby man when they drop that pacifier you boil that baby and you man there's oh there's a fly in the room it's because you disinfect everything and you wash everything 15 times second kid comes along yeah you're fine Blow the dirt off. You know what I'm so, man, we videotaped Rebecca. Billy got like hardly nothing. But anyway, so I found those tapes. <laughs> and it was just so cool. Uh, we, 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 we looked at them. And, and uh, uh, we, we, where was I at on that? When, uh, oh, the theme song. Okay, so we're watching those tapes. And I'm listening. This was 11 years ago. And we're videotaping her in the living room. And I, I could hear the music I was playing. That's Christian music. And it was these Christian CDs I got from Integrity. Right? When I first got saved, I got a whole stack of them. And they're really cool because they're all songs sung only, contemporary Christian music, only to scripture. I got a whole stack of them, right? And, and we were watching that. This was like 11 years ago, and I was laughing to the kids. I says, hey, I still play that same music today. And they're, of course, making fun of me. Yeah, it's boring. They call it elevator music. But it's the music that I like because it's Christian music, and the only thing they're singing out of these people's mouths is 100% Bible. And, and he, he says, oh, oh God. He says, it, that's what he says. He says, I, 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 it, off your lips, it, it sings a song. I get up and it's like, I'm singing scripture. Is that how much uh, we do that? I stand firm uh, with your scripture. I, I serve you in the scripture. I, I'm encouraged that I'm not gonna perish in my affliction. You preserve my life. You make me wiser than my enemies. I get insight uh, more than all my teachers. I get understanding, more understanding than the elders. I, 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 you keep my feet from every evil path. Your word is sweeter than honey. I gain understanding. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. I follow your decrees. They bring joy to my heart uh, to the very end. Listen, my flesh trembles in fear of you. I stand in because you're learning about the streams of tears flow from my eyes when your law is not obeyed are we weeping for our country how far we have fallen are we praying for anything of revival do we pray more for the economy to turn over or for people to get saved and revival to come to America 
That's the word. word uh, it, your law is true. It's my delight. I cry for help. I put my hope in your word. And he says, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. I obey your statutes for I love them greatly so much so. Listen, that my, my tongue sing of your word. Why? Because you know, Pastor Billy said, you got to read the Bible. When I got saved, they said that. They came up to me and said, all right, now what you got to do is you got to start praying and then you, you got to follow this formula and you got to get a Bible. If you don't have one, I'll give you one. And, and that's great. But why? Why? Because this is one of the tools, we only got through one of them, that God has given us because praise God, he saved us to be ye holy as I am holy. We're, we're saved forever, praise God. But this little bitty time frame, he wants us to be a positive commercial. It ain't going to happen until we get into this book. And you wonder why the enemy never wants you in there. You ever wonder why when you have good intentions that next morning, you almost seem twice as tired as you normally are. You ever wonder why when you have good intentions that night, I'm going to read before I get to bed, you were alert, active, just cracking an incredible joke. Hey, did you hear that thing? Ten dollars is ten dollars. <laughs> okay, let's read the Bible. <laughs> you think that's my chance? Somebody doesn't want you in here because they don't ever want you to turn out to be that positive commercial for Jesus. Lord willing, next week we're going to get about the indwelling, interceding Christ and the Holy Spirit and hopefully finish up this chapter. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, 
has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.
Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.